Now then, welcome to the Midlife Film Catch-Up, a podcast where we catch up on films that we've never seen before at this point in our lives, midlife. I'm Sam Turner, and this is my colleague, Chris Jenkins. Hello, nice to meet you all. And Chris, you just want to introduce yourself by um, maybe giving three facts about your hometown. My hometown, born in Mill Road, uh, hospital in Liverpool, hometown of Sting, John Lennon, and Pete Bryce. Uh, not, not sure that they were all accurate. But each week we watch a film that's new to us, starting from the year we were born and running chronologically through to the present day. Before the recording of this podcast, neither of us know what each other think of that film. Well done. So we're still in our experimental period. We're going to um, we're going to keep things tight. Lots of positive feedback about last week's podcast. Positive feedback. We had um, it's that one young man who said he liked the shortness of it, but he missed having a longer second half. He felt like we really rushed the second half where we talk about our memories, and that's his favourite mm-hmm. bit because you know most all of our audience don't watch the films. So maybe we shouldn't skimp too much on that bit. Well, I think I think two of our audience at least watched last week's film. Did they? Mm, Good. But I haven't I haven't heard them. I haven't, they haven't written them in back from them. Well, we had our first complaint this week. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, about about you actually, a young man called Liam wrote in. Uh, he wasn't happy with the. Your pronunciation of the the word Nissan. Um, well, the car Nissan. I didn't. I didn't catch it. I didn't get onto it. Yes, last week. Well, that Apparently was actually. Were... It was actually an accurate representation of how that car brand was pronounced in the in the film that we watched. What film was it? Hands on a hard body. Just to let you know, listeners, we're recording this after tea. So if we're a bit slow on the uptake, hands on a hard body, you kept saying Nissan. Is that the way the Texans said it? Mm -hmm. Yes, yeah. And I think you should be true to how the characters in the film pronounce things when you're discussing the film. Just one of the rules that I live by. Yeah. I can't remember his exact words, but this young man said something like it made his skin sort of crawl a little bit just to hear it said as Nissan. Right, okay. I think Liam probably... What what um, nationality is Nissan? I think it's Japanese. So do you think that Liam thought I was trying to adopt a Japanese accent to pronounce the... Because people do that with um, footballers' names. There's some some fairly outlandish pronunciations of, uh, of footballers' names by commentators, and that's, they say that's a more authentic way of delivering it because it's true to their native country. Like saying Paris instead of Paris. Yeah, yeah. The Americans do it with a lot of things, don't they? Yeah, yeah. I I sometimes do it. Chile. Sorry? Chile. Instead of Chile. Mm. I prefer Chile in that case. Mm. I think it's nicer. It's a bit chilly. Chile, Um, nachos, Oh, yeah, I had gammon and pineapple. Liam, this young man said... We'd have to dwell on this, but go on. on. 
Not sure how I feel about Sam's pronunciation of Nissan. Maybe it's my natural fondness for a Nissan that put me on edge. But pronunciation is something, I'll admit, pronunciation is something we struggle with on this podcast and it's something we're seeking to, to rectify. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But I think if Liam did, I, I take it he didn't watch the film. No. I think he would have seen what I was trying to do with that if he'd taken the time to, to watch the film. Yeah, yeah. And I'm a bit disappointed. I, I thought that was a slam dunk. I thought he was going to watch that one. And he even admitted this but this one's perfect for me. And he said he was looking for something the other night and he forgot to put it on and he kicked himself. But um, So will he never watch that film now he's heard us talk about it? Probably not. That's, that's quite sad, isn't it? It is sad. I, f- I feel sorry for him. But as I say, pronunciation is something we're definitely working on and, and, and we seek to to do do right by all all the all the different films and actors and stars creatives. and directors. Yeah, Pardon? absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, creatives, I said, uh, just called creatives. creatives umbrella, umbrella yeah. town. Okay, well, we're up to episode 16. It's 1998 in our journey. And this week we are covering the film Black Cat, White Cat by Emir Kustjakuric. I'd I'd say it's more like Emir Emir Costa Rica. Emir Costa Rica. What is it? K U. How's it written? K U S T U R I C A. Costa Rica. Costa Rica. But I think you're you're saying Costa. You're pretty much saying the country Costa Rica, aren't you? Which is. A million miles away, literally, and I mean, you called a car Nissan. You can't pull me up on on my on my Serbian. White Cat is about two low-level hustlers, uh, father and son, Matko and Zare Destinov. Zare. Who live on the banks of the Danube. Um, after a train heist goes awry, uh, the, uh, well, they're actually scammed by a fellow hustler. Dan Carambolo. I mean, I wouldn't have done that in the synopsis like that. I wouldn't have said after a train heist goes awry because it makes them sound like hardened train heisters, hardened criminals. But but really, they're just con men who kind of set this deal up rather than heisting. They're not heisting. Lots seems to go awry, doesn't it, for the characters in this film? But they find themselves in debt to um, another gangster, gangster, Deirdan, who offers to 
excuse them from their debts if uh, the younger the the young son Zare Zare marries his sister Salija Saliha so it's an arranged an arranged marriage in 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 a way yeah and she's described like consistently in pejorative terms about her, her height. Yeah. But yeah. she wasn't wasn't that small to me. No, no, it was it was it was a weird one that because yeah. that was even in the synopsis that you read out last week and yeah. it just seemed completely um un unnecessary. I mean you know, in my translation the word munchkin came up about four times in one section. How did you feel seeing that on screen? It brought it brought about memories, and uh, listeners, regular listeners to the podcast, will know about a running that I had with um, Naughty's pop star Zootons frontman um, Zootons, Dave McCabe, who um, who did call me a munchkin. How, so, what was your reaction when he did that? When he said that, I think I was hurt. I think I was, um, I think it played on a lot of my insecurities. Really? Where does the, where does the word munchkin come from? I don't know. If we've got any etymologists, please write in. It'd be good to, maybe next week we can, we can, um, we can read that one out. Well, I think it goes back to, um, our old friend, the Wizard of Oz, doesn't it? Is that where it first originated? The Munchkins. I think so. I think so. Yeah. I think if you tri- our Wizard of Oz is basically all Shakespeare text to our um, podcast. So much of it refers back to Wizard of Oz. Yes. You know what I'm We're, saying? Yeah, that's our. Yeah, I know what you're saying. That's our. Yeah, that's our Bible. Mm. The Wizard of Oz, but you haven't seen it. Seen the sequel? Yeah. No, I've seen the what is the it? Musical. Prequel. And the musical. The musical of the prequel, yeah. Yeah. And I think that's I mean, coming that... out as a film this year, actually. Wicked. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Oh, the film, yeah, Wicked, yeah. Um, title, yeah, I've seen. Title, yeah. You what? That's the title, yeah. Wicked. Wicked, yeah. Yeah, I've seen the film. Um, Back to black cat, white cat. Yeah, that's my synopsis. For in a synopsis, I would have said gypsy father and son, Matko and Zare, petty con men living on the banks of Danube, try and trick one gangster out of money, try and trick another gangster out of money, and then because they fall victim to their own machinations that are badly planned. One of the gangsters says, I'm going to force your son to marry my my sister of diminutive height. And that's how you can repay your debt to me. High jinx ensue. Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. And then... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That, that's. Yeah. I think that captures. That captures it. Yeah. <clears throat> You're happy with that? 
Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I mean, there's, 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 there was. I'm not asking you to be effusive. <laughs> no, it's good. It was good. But I mean, I think it was very similar to mine. I, I would have said that was a good synopsis. What yeah. I just said. Well, you used, the only thing you really added to that was hijinks in the shoe. I, I I think mine was a lot a lot clearer, a lot clearer. And you you, you use the term gypsy, which I was a bit uncomfortable with, but I did research on it today at work oh, good. on good. work time. Yeah, so um, the there is some sort of consensus among um, institutions, politicians, that they would start referring to gypsy people as Romany. Mm-hmm. from about 1971 onwards. Um, but the majority of English and Welsh gypsies prefer the term gypsy, in fact. Right, okay. And when does this, this come into play? This was just on the... My, my source was Wikipedia, but all these all these facts were... What do you call it? Where they have the referenced. thing at the bottom. Referenced. Um, and then I looked into... Um, in that part of the world, Serbia, Yugoslavia, and they they in the in this case they ref- sometimes refer to themselves as Romani, but then they would call it Gypsy music rather mm-hmm. than like Gypsy people. But I think basically we're not being total knobheads to sometimes call them Gypsy. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Good. Okay. Quick. Yeah. Quick thoughts then. And uh, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm on the edge of my seats. I'm on the edge of my seats with this. Yeah, just one. You're just on a, one seat, aren't you? Yeah. Don't know why I said seats. Yeah. Plural. My quick thoughts. Uh, I think it was a film that threatened within the first forty minutes to be to be quite wearing on me. With everything going on, it was a coming coming across a bit like a. A, a, a guy Ritchie, a gypsy guy Ritchie film from Serbia, with all the buffoonery and everything like that. But then after the forty-minute mark, something happened, and I was like won over, but I was wholeheartedly won over by just the sort of jubilant, mad energy of it. I've never, I've never seen anything like it. I've no idea how how they filmed it. There was just so much going on all the time. There were hundreds of shots in this film, I, and it was just continual chaos. And I have no idea how they stage managed and directed that continuous chaos and kept up that energy throughout. And yeah, I, for, I, for a I, long I, time I, as well, it's two hours five minutes. Yeah, and I really, I really enjoyed it. What What, what did you think? Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna mince mince my words. Go on. Um, have you ever heard the of the band Animal Collective? Yes. Very well thought of band. Very intricate. Lots of polyrhythms going on. Lots, lots, and lots going on. People, people love them. Uh, individually, I like a lot of their solo. The band members from Animal Collective solo stuff. Right, uh, but I absolutely hate Animal Collective, and I absolutely hated this film. Really? Well, I knew from the first five minutes that it wasn't a Sam Turner special. 
No, which was, is what you sold it to me as last week. Yeah, I got it wrong. I, it had no wry smile factor, and there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ugliness on screen. I'd say, and I think I, you think you want it a bit more polished than that. I don't think it was to do with the ugly. I mean, I, I really appreciated the choreography. What, we, what you're talking about there, the, the set pieces and the, uh, how everything unfolded, and there's very intricate action. That there's always more than one thing going on in every in every shot. Um, it was just the it was the wackiness. It was basically what I kept thinking was. This reminds me of Sunday night television in the nineties. It reminds me of Last of the Summer Wine. Benny Hill. Benny Hill. Um I definitely get the Lockstock reference. It was like it was basically Last of the Summer Wine directed by Guy Ritchie. <laughs> starring the Shuckler Brothers. Yeah. Great. Well, I think um I think it was nothing like Last of the Summer Wine. That's a really boring television program. No, but Last and of the Summer Wine famously always ended up with them rolling down a hill in a bath. Right. Okay. And, could, see that, that, and, 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 you know, that could have happened at any point in this film. Probably did happen. Probably did. Probably did, yeah. Yeah. But it, but it was a lot more high energy than that. I, 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 I just thought it had a really. I feel like I'm Geordie Kev, now, like Geordie Kev gave us a lot of stick, called us, you know, like along the lines of us being cold-hearted cads because we didn't enjoy the romantic film before Sunrise. Mm. And now I feel like I'm Geordie Kev by saying to you that I thought this film had a lot of heart and romance and um, and what I call a joy de vivre. Okay. I've, I mean, I've seen it been described in a lot of places as charming and I found mm. it the opposite of charming. I found it ir- irritating. Can yeah. something be charming and irritating at the same time? Um, charm something charming and irritating. Mosquito has a mosquito got any charm? No, definitely irritating. Phil Daniels, the actor from Dumb and Dumber. No, that's uh, Jeff Daniels. This is the actor from Quadrophenia and he sings the verses and blurs. The magician, the magician. No, Phil, not Paul. Phil Daniels, he, he sings. Uh, he does the verses in Park Life. Yeah, that's charming and and irritating, isn't it? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Anything I, else? I, I, that's charming and irritating. Well, maybe you could say mosquito bites because it's irritating, but when you itch it, that's quite charming, isn't it? Quite a charming <laughs> sensation. It's like it's like when you eat a frazzle and you get the taste seven hours later after burping. That, that's yeah. charming. That's just pure charm. The mos- itching a mosquito bite a few days later can be a little bit charming. Yeah. Yeah. An egg yolk is charming, but the egg white is irritating. Good one. That's a good yeah. one, yeah. I don't eat the egg white. Do you eat the egg white? 
of course, of course, I eat it. Yeah, yeah. I don't. You just completely leave it. Leave it completely. Give me the oak. That's, that's mental. It, yeah. What I didn't like. What the, the I think this film got my back up immediately when they had to. I don't know. I don't know why they were doing this, but they thought that something wasn't diesel; it was water. So they had two bottles. One that was funny. Diesel and one was water, and they drank the di- diesel. They drank one bottle and swallowed it, and that was fine. They drank another bottle and they spat it out and said, "Oh, that's that's water." And the joke was that it just drank some diesel down, and that was the joke. And I thought that's that is this isn't this isn't good stuff. Man, I thought that was a really good joke. Did you laugh out loud at any moment in this film? Yes, um, twice, and both times involved geese. Well, I mean, the geese thing is another reason that the diesel incident was the moment where I decided was where I thought I'm not going to like this, and then a moment at the end with a goose was the final nail in the coffin for me. Where he was using the goose to wipe excrements off him. Yeah. I'm not and talking about... it was a about... real live goose, wasn't it? Yeah. This film... There's going to be a lot of animals with PTSD from this film. Awful, awful stuff. Um, but I'm not talking about that goose. I'm talking about the star of the film was a gaggle of geese that was in nearly every second shot. Like... I've never seen a gaggle as big as this. Like, ever. Show me a bigger gaggle of geese than in this film. And they were in nearly every second shot. Like, a character would come in, come bursting in, the character would move one way, and this gaggle would come out from nowhere and move in the opposite direction, all honking and flapping. And... It was like it was like the, it was like you've seen seen the film Babe. It was like Babe on steroids. It was yeah. like a, a two hundred strong gaggle of geese that just kept coming out from nowhere, doing these mad things, and um, I I can't even conceive of how they stage managed the geese to do all these crazy things and all these I mean, shots. I yeah, thought it was brilliant. The, the, I mean. It's in, it's impressive stuff. It's all impressive stuff. The the um, the geese the geese business. My favorite part of the film, or one of my favorite parts of the film, was the butt pulling the nail out of the wood. The singer. Yeah. So, okay. So let's let's bring it let's bring it a little bit back. So, right. Before we meet the bad man, the bad gangster, before the train heist. We're introduced to Ida, the young girl. Yeah. Who Zare is in love with. Very beautiful girl, I thought. Very, be- very looked, beautiful girl. Looks yeah. like Leah Sedo, the French actress. Okay, I don't know who that is. From Blue is the Warmest Colour, and she's in oh, a Bond, yeah. Bond film. Yeah. Well, did you notice what she was watching? How what what she was watching on the TV, dancing to. When we, um, when I, we I found out on Google what was it? The song was Nowhere Fast and from my research it was by a band called Fire Inc. Yes. Fire Inc. were 
a band that was made up for the film Streets of Fire, which was a rock musical, a rock opera, a Wagnerian rock opera. And that song, Nowhere Fast, was written by none other than Jim Steinman. You're joking. And I can't, I can't work out. I mean, if I watched it back, I'd be able to work this out. It was either... It was either performed in the film by the original singer or it was performed by Meatloaf, who who covered that song. Have you heard any of Jim Steinman's solo albums? No. You, you can listen to him do some songs that later became Meatloaf songs, like um, Out of the Frying Pan and Into the Fire. Um, okay. you, can, you can hear him doing it. And what's that like? It's pretty bad. Right. Okay. Pretty, pretty bad. Steinman needed meatloaf, didn't he? He did. That Streets was... of Fire is a uh, neo-noir rock musical. So what is this? Are you just doing trivia now? Are you just doing trivia? Uh, I thought it'd be interesting to hear about that that song. Did, did you not no, pick no. up that that song was very meat, meatloafian? It, I thought it was more flash dancing. I don't know if it was Meatloaf performing a song. I could, well, the thing that brought it to my attention was I'm sure I saw Meatloaf on the video, but I've since watched the original video and Meat's nowhere to be seen. No. Sorry, I wasn't being aggressive by by saying, what, what is this trivia now? I wanted to know what 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 opinion was going to come forth, but just I just want to be clear to that. You're bringing back the um, interesting facts part of the podcast. Uh, no, I'm, I'm I'm establishing Ida as a character in the film. Okay, yeah. And, you know, this was a potential hook for me with the film. Ida seems like a top quality character. She's yep. listening to a Meet Lovian song. She's dancing. Um, Did you suspect it was something to do with Meatloaf when you look, looked it up? I thought I saw Meatloaf in the video. And it did sound, it, de- it definitely sounded... St- Stein, Steinmanian. <laughs> You've changed that. It it was something else before. Well, meat loving, meat I said, but that's probably I, I don't want to write Steinman out of history. Steinmavian. Yeah, I I didn't think it was Steinmavian. I thought it was Flash Dancian. Kara. Kara. Well, it's a great song. And it's a great character. Uh, anyway, while we while we were introduced to Ida, her mum, Sushka, is um, who runs Adam? the local Sushka. Okay, Sushka okay. is um, trying to book entertainment for her bar restaurant by the yep. Danube. By the way, I absolutely loved the depiction of life by the Danube. That was. That's I mean, that's that, not that's not up for debate. I, I love that. I mean, that was this entire film was set next to the Danube River, so yeah. that means you, you like the depiction of life in this film. I, I I love the setting of the film. I hated the action of the film. Okay. And she's asking someone on the phone if they've still got the singer who pulls out nails with her bum, bum. and yeah. then at a very one of the many crescendos of the film, we see the singer pull out 
successfully pull out a, a nail from a plank of wood after Ida takes bets on whether yes. she can do it or not. Yeah. Um, with a with a bum. So what are you saying? Uh, I, I think that I, just, I was just saying that was one of my favourite bits of the of the film. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Good. 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 Um, I, I'm not someone who likes wacky films. As you know, my my biggest fear is mad madcap hijinks, capers, zaniness. I mean, three, four four terms that you could easily pin on this film. That's what I mean. It's my worst fear. I don't like that sort of film. I don't. I don't like farce. I hate farce. Yeah, uh, yeah. But this film really won me over. Yeah, I mean, maybe there's something to be said. I I, I watched this film in three sittings and maybe Ooh. that 40 minutes mark maybe that's something that maybe it suffered I think you just dissipate the energy that's built up by watching it in three sittings each um, time I was like come on win, win me over here each time I sat down to watch it I, I liked it I really liked the, the bad guy Dadan he was really making me laugh a lot throughout it he reminded me of, um, I don't know if it's Cannon or Ball. Yeah. Do you know who Matko reminded me of? The dad? Yeah. Mickey Pierce? Mickey Pierce. Only Fools and Horses. Yeah. Do you know who, who Zara who reminded me of? Who? Will Dickey. Oh, good shout. Yeah, he does look a bit like him, yeah. Young man from Liverpool. Is he a listener? No. Will Dickey looks like a lot of people. A lot of people mm. crop up in our WhatsApp chat WhatsApp chat and my friend Ben says this looks like you. Do you know who would have loved this film? I think. Jimiroquai. JK from Jimiroquai. Him and Lee the Clown. Yes. Yes. I can imagine Lee the Clown, Aline. Teatro Pomodoro, all sitting there in Heighton. Yeah, you need to give a little bit of background to who Lee the Clown is for our listeners in Belgium. Lee the Clown, Lee the Clown, aka the Wandering Minstrel, Lebo Luby, a clown from Heighton. Classically trained. Classically trained at Philippe Gaulier Clown School in France, on the outskirts of Paris. I, I, I mean, me and Emma watched this, and Emma was saying, "I bet a lot of these people have been to that clown school." You right? Okay. Well, you know, I was Lee. Lee, who's a, a classically trained clown, has really helped me appreciate the art of clowning. But this film might have uh, undone all his good work. That's it. That's a shame. Mm. I, I, yeah, I think he would have really liked it. It, it kind of brought back. Um, you know, like in, in films where they did it in this film where there's someone hiding inside a cardboard box and a cardboard box starts moving along the floor on its own. I want to see that kind of thing brought back into film again. Like this I film mean, did. It, it was it was pure like Sunday night ITV fodder, this film. You know you know in old films where 
someone holds the binoculars up to their eyes and they take them away and they've got two black rings around their eyes. Yeah, that could have happened at any point. Our friend Craig wants to bring that sort of thing back into films. Well, that I don't mind, actually. I do like that. That's good. Yeah. So the 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 klezmer music. Yeah. What did you what did you make of that? I liked it. Amir Costa Rica, the director, who who I, I just want to say has won two Palm Doors at Cannes. He's no flash in the pan, and for this film, he won the Golden Lion at the Venice Film Festival for best Silver. direction. Silver. Silver Lion, sorry. And I thinking of yeah, yeah, yes. Is that a no, the the, the the golden lion is the main prize. The silver lion is the right. runner-up, I think. Right. Um, so he's no flash in the pan, pan. And if you think about how difficult it must have been to direct this film, you can see why he's won Best Direction for it, even if you don't like it. It's, yeah. I mean, you, you, you might not like Ed Sheeran, but he can play the guitar, can't he? <laughs> oh, he can play the guitar, Ed Sheeran. You might not like Ed Sheeran, but he's got a guitar. Yeah, yeah, and it does some amazing A lot of things. people say that, don't they? <laughs> you might not like Ed Sheeran, but he can play the guitar. Well, I think what they'd probably say is the catchy. His songs are catchy, aren't they? Well, it's just that age-old argument of one person saying, I don't like this, and the other person does like it, and they say, yeah, you might not like it, but you've got to admit they can do this well. <laughs> You might not like Taylor Swift, but you've got to admit the skill involved. That's yeah. what people say about things. Yeah, yeah. So, Amir Costa Rica. Um, Costa Rica. Costa Rica. Yeah, I've, I've totally forgotten what I was going to say about it. Oh, so, this film started off as a uh, documentary about Klezmer, Gyp- Roman Gypsy music. Yes, he wanted to just make a documentary about that. And then he started mm. developing fictional scenes for it. And it became this film. There was music const- nearly constantly and dancing, loads yeah. of dancing. Yeah. Which is, uh, bends my head really to think about that. Like you'd never suspect that was the case, would you? Because it's In- it's got a, quite a tight, not tight, it's got a very developed narrative I, I, I found the acting and the action probably it was probably 90 percent the the um expressions on the characters faces that annoyed me about this film <laughs> there's a lot of sort of gurning style stuff yeah it's like really over over acting which you know i suppose that's part of the the clown tradition um, the, the only thing this film could have lost me on that um, I, I got, you know, it got sometimes it got a bit steampunk. Um, yeah, yeah. There's a film by the same director as Amelie. I can't remember what it's called. Um, that reminded me the the Mick Max or something that was a bit similar to this film. And you know, they had the mad 
fan at the beginning. It was um, the 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 motor for the fan was a rat in a in a wheel. Yeah, yeah he he was sunbathing on his deck. He had a fan on him, and that was powered by a rat in a wheel. The in Mick this Ma- film, that was very like that was very Mick. I don't know if it's called Mick Max. But it was very Mick Macke, Mick Max esque. Mick Mac esque. Hmm. I mean, I I thought the steampunk thing that was putting me off a little bit was the motorized wheelchair that the the Jewish head gangster drove around on. Yeah, well, forgive me if I'm wrong, but is steampunk is a, is a sort of pillar of the steampunk cultures to sort of make your own gadgets and contraptions. Yes, that's what Wallace does from Wallace and Gromit. I that's wouldn't what steampunks do. Well, what what I wouldn't describe Wallace from Wallace and Gromit as steampunk. Does he not make his own? Does he not make his own contraptions? He's he's an, he's an inventor in the vein of James Dyson, inventor of the Dyson Hoover. No, but he, Dyson manufactures. He's not a cheap steampunk. Dyson's not, no. Wallace, Wallace is. is not. Wallace isn't. He's making his own. He's making his own mechanical trousers. That's pure steampunk. He's, he's, no he's big... turned his back on society. He's trying to. He's trying to. He's trying to sort of forge his own. I, I I agree with you that steampunks have turned their back on society. You know how I feel about steampunks. And Wallace is the same. He's got. He's got. He's got the same ethos. Steampunks have twizzly mustaches, and they have big watches. They wear Wallace, tweed. Wallace would they wear invent, tweed, given half the chance. They. they they reinvent they reinvent things in a more mechanical way so does so does wallace what trousers trousers um contraptions to make toast in the morning we've got toast we've got a toaster wallace why why make a futuristic contraption to to butter and Put jam on your toast as well. It doesn't. It doesn't he's, have he's loads in, of. He's inventing the future, in a punk with not, a punk ethic. He doesn't. It his the toaster and the trousers that Wallace makes doesn't have loads of spinning, moving cogs in it. He is doesn't. It, you could. You can. Maybe it's a steam steampunk subgenre, like the way that oi is a um, subgenre of punk. Wallace is the oi to steampunk's punk. I I just think I don't I don't I don't I don't agree that Wallace and Gromit. Well, Gromit's you were never saying Gromit was you weren't saying think, Gromit was were you? I think maybe Gromit's of the same mind as us. He doesn't like the steampunk antics, yeah. so he's trying to get out of there. He rolls his eyes. His eyes. St- what about Sean the Sheep? And no, no, the penguins definitely not. Um, well, I, I feathers, wouldn't put it feathers McGraw. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I think feathers McGraw could have steampunk sensibilities. Yeah, 
is with, within the same world. That's why they don't get on. Too similar. Yeah, yeah I, just, I just feel the only the only time I started to go off this film was when they started bringing out steampunk contraptions, and it was it was specifically that family of gangsters who had a bit of a steampunk thing going on. So this is Grieger, the sort of yeah. godfather of the the gypsy gangsters, whose son, or is he his son, ends up marrying oh, the she called? diminutive girl. Yeah, uh, I, I'm just saying. I've Salusia. got, I, I've got a bit of a phobia of steampunk, and yeah, no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. And I don't want well, to see it too much. Let's let's, let's have your takeaways, Chris. Main takeaways. Geese. Gaggle, the biggest gaggle of geese you've ever seen appear in every second shot. Brilliant. Love it. More geese, more honking. I love the honking. Second main takeaway, um, the pig eating the car. Absolutely, yeah. That's one of mine, yeah. How could you not love that? That was was fantastic, yeah. That was, yeah, that was one of my favourite bits as well. The pig was never referenced by any characters. It was just a sort of non-secretaire. Non-secretaire. Yeah, good. Secretaire. Secretaires. Um, and it, it showed up three times in the film, by my count. Exactly, one. It is massive. Massive pig, almost as big as the car, and it was eating bits of the car. And yeah. by the end of the film, it, it had eaten loads of the car. Yeah. You gotta, you gotta wonder about that animal's well-being as well, haven't you? Well, it says the man who fed cigarettes to a guide dog. That, that wasn't me. That was other people in my French class. Yeah, yeah. It's on record. It's on Spotify. Listen back. I, I never admitted culpability. Right, clever, clever man, clever, clever guy. You think you're better than us. Should I go for my third takeaway? Yeah, or go, you for gonna... th- no, go for your third one. I've I've never, ever heard you ever say you hate something until this film. Yeah, I, I rarely do. I, I rarely, I, but I, w- I couldn't honestly come to this podcast with any other, any other reflection. Wow, wow. Okay, um, going for takeaway number three. A goat thrown at an old man on a motorized wheelchair and he cut and he had no problem catching that goat and it was the goat was alive yeah yeah what do you think about that i, I can't i can't remember who throws a goat so is this at grieger again is this at grieger grieger on the steampunk wheelchair you'd zoned out by this point he's driving along on the wheelchair a goat is lobbed at him, a living goat, and he catches it without even batting an eyelid while travelling at speed. So the actual actor did that, and the actual um, goat did that. Very advanced a, in years, that actor as well. Yeah, it was a real stunt. It wasn't CGI, obviously. It's like He's the Tom Cruise of the Romany world. So's the, so's the goat. Yeah, the, yeah. It was a good stunt. It wasn't in the, it wasn't even a stunt. This it was just one of many hundreds of things that happened in this film that were really crazy. It was it was um 
frenetic, wasn't it? I think I used that word in my notes, frenetic. Yeah. Um, right, also, main takeaways. So, three big... I think this film had influences on these three pieces. Wolf of Wall Street, Slumdog Millionaire, Keenan and Kel. How come? How so? Wolf of Wall Street, there was a bit at the at the end where Dear Dan got the microphone and put it in his mouth and started shouting down the microphone while it was in his mouth, a la right. Leonard, Leonard DiCaprio in Wolf of Wall Street. Okay. Take that off. Some dog millionaire, he, he did, and again, falls in a big, um, a big set tank of poo. Yep. Alla, some dog millionaire. Keen and Kel, uh, Zare loved orange aid. Right. Who loves orange okay. soda? Yeah. Who, Kel or Keenan? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, good point. Just like Anton Deck, you can never quite tell which one you're talking about. Yeah, Cannonball. Cannonball. Uh, I don't know about that one. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I can't. I can't. I don't know which one's Cannon. Which one's Ball? Uh, Any other takeaways? We've talked about the Ass Nail, uh, Jamiroquai, Piggy and the Car favourite bit. Um, uh, the Aston Villa shirt, which is something that you're not going to be interested in, but. That was obviously a nod to an Aston Villa player in the late 90s, uh, Savo Milosevic, also known as Savo Misilosevic, Misilotovic. Um, he was a Yugoslavian football player, so I enjoyed that. I enjoyed making that link. And I don't know I don't know if I didn't like klezmer music before this film, or this film put me off klezmer music, but I've really got to... I've really, I've really got to think about how I feel about klezmer music after, after all that. Oh, you. I'm going to move downstairs. Okay, I'll, uh, I'll stop this call. Keep... No, no, uh... I'll pause. I'll pause the recording. Yeah, go on. Um, Sam just told me that, um. Our post on Instagram about this film just got liked by Nick Power from the Coral. So he likes it. Yeah. Oh, he um, likes the film. It doesn't mean he might have liked my uh, my um, witticism about Wicker's World. Maybe I don't think he. I think he would have just liked the photo of an old Romany man. Looks quite steampunk that photograph actually, because he's got like some like gold sunglasses on. Do you think Nick Power Gold likes steam? Do you think he likes steampunk, Nick Power? No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't write it off as a possibility. Go if on, to does, our... we'll get Carl to ask Liam. <laughs> okay, shall we? Um... I'm quite conscious that we we say these people's first names and there's people in Belgium that don't know who we're talking about. Nick Power from the Coral, his brother Liam, Carl, Dr. Carl Roberts, full names. And they're in a band together. Yeah, just 
Carl, just ask Liam, is, is Nick Power into steampunk? I, I kind of need to know that for my own sanity because I, I wouldn't want the coral to be into steampunk. They didn't show any signs of that when I was into them. Well, they once said, um, what's, what's that lyric about being born in a different time to what they should be? Time travel will be the death of man. Only the devil fools with the best laid plans. Yeah, pure pure steampunk. Are you talking about that one? We'll set sail again. No, it was it's something else Calendar's I was thinking of, but I, I can't. It can't. It's not coming to my head right now. Calendars, clocks. Oh well, that sounds very steampunk, doesn't it? It does actually. Yeah. Maybe the maybe the coral, the ultimate steampunk band. Maybe they'll they'll need to be reassessed in this in this um in this in this post um steampunk age. Post post what? Post steampunk age. Yeah, 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 yeah. Is that, is that what you think we're living in? Um. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I I had a, I had another thing on the tip of my tongue, but I, I didn't have the um, the chutzpah to follow through with it. <laughs> So, but yeah, post steampunk age, um, and I do. What do you think, Dave McCabe's into steampunk? No, no way, no way. You, you don't wear tracksuits if you've got any sympathies towards steampunk. You don't wear Adidas shell toes. No, I think he was. Wear, I think he was wearing them. When he was in the cafe, when I saw him the second time. Well, that's not like what, what different to the other time that he was talking about. The first time I saw him was when I was stuck in that toilet with him. Ah, right. Okay. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've only ever seen him twice. Mm, yeah, I think so. Wow. Yeah. I mean, um, I found myself lucky. Should we uh, talk about our lives in 1998? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I'm not going to do ratings. Really. Go on then. Erotic rating. Uh, uh, there was some eroticism in this film. That bit in the sunflower fields where they Sunflowers, yeah. took the kit off. It was in a foreign language. I'm going to give that. I'm going to give it seven out of ten. There was a bit where Deirdan was frolicking with three or four women, and then they turned out to be his sisters. No, they, they weren't. They were. They were. They were call call girls, sex workers. Two different sets of women. No. Well, his sisters were there as well. Yeah, but they weren't the call girls. Yeah, two different sets of women. That's what I call that. Right, right, yeah, yeah. 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 Some were his sisters and the other ones that were (laughs) in the bedroom with him and that were were not his sisters. Yeah, you get get sets of women and some sets are different to other sets. Right. Um, sometimes yeah, yeah. I, I they can, I, sometimes they, they can that. they can be different. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some, sometimes I just think it's there's just one set of women around, but it's different sets of women, isn't there? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, you got to be careful with that with what you're saying there. Mm. Yeah, different yeah. sets of women. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I'm not going to do any other ratings today. I was going to do a geese count instead of motif count, but I don't think I'd get much mileage out of that. And you're you're only human, aren't you? 
What, what do you mean? Well, it's the, uh, I wouldn't like to try and count the amount of geese in that film. I, I, yeah, I, I, that instead of counting sheep, you could try and count geese in the in the in this film. Yeah. That you'd, you'd fall asleep before you could do it. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, so 1998. Whoa, whoa, um, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, sorry. Are we still doing that, are we? Yeah. Okay, so what would you do as a protagonist in, if you were a protagonist, one of the protagonists in this film, Chris? They were on the banks of the Danube. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Cruise. I'm thinking... We heard of Fred Olsen, Fred Olsen Cruises. Um, the shop in um, that square in Liverpool closed down recently. Used to sell everything. Um, that's Class but, Olsen. Oh. Uh, yeah. This is Fred Olsen Cruises, very competitive. And, you know, you have to dress smart at dinner time. Mm-hmm. So you get to meet the captain. Put your, put your dinner suit on, get to meet the captain. I would have gone on a cruise. Do they do? Does Fred go down the Danube? Fred Olsen cruises. They start on the Mersey. I'm not sure where it goes after that. Probably, probably not the Dan, Danube then. Yeah. yeah. What would you have done as a protagonist? Um, and who who are you choosing? Mickey Pierce or the Sun? Sushka. Who's that? The woman, the proprietor of the restaurant by the Danube, who it's also a wedding venue. Okay, the the the, the lady who is the grandma of Leah Sado. Ida, yeah, 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 right, yeah, yeah. Well, I would hire the woman that pulls the nail out of the wood with a bum to do a residency. Uh, melodic distraction. No, my um, my restaurant. Which is? Well, Rosty. What, do you want me to give it? Rosky. Six by Nico. <laughs> no, my, no, my, my restaurant is the the restaurant in the film by by the Danube. Okay. Okay. Right. But we're, we're entertainment, we're a wedding venue, we do hot and cold food, um, Romany gypsy drinks. Such as? Diesel. <laughs> Orange aid. <laughs> um, and w- not water. What, what else did they drink? They um, drink lots of spirits, weren't they? Yeah. Whiskey, spirits, vodka. Yeah, they, had, they they drank whiskey at one point. They make they make some of them were bootlegging moonshine, whiskey. moonshine, and and that's what the name of the bar is, moonshine, because 
that can be like a, a moon is the as a bum, isn't it? And you've got the woman pulling the pulling yeah. the nail out with a bum. So moon moonshine and the big picture of a bum pulling a nail out of yeah something. With it's clever. It's good for business. Six by Nico. Food hygiene rating of. Uh, zero is it zero? Zero. Yeah, that's with it. In, in Liverpool, because it's a in Liverpool, national, Liverpool. It's a national chain. Yeah, just talking about the the for, that's one for the Liverpool listeners. Yeah. Just trying not. But it's not own. it's not across the board in all their establishments. Got to make that clear. It's not a chain. Is it, it is a change. Yeah, well, there's, there's several of them. There's at least eight of them. Should have called it Eight by Nico. <laughs> I just don't want people to get food poisoning because I probably caused about five deaths on last week's episode by incorrectly stating that the LD50 of uh, caffeine was less than nicotine. Yeah, a lot of people, a lot of people will have uh, taken up smoking because of your... Yeah. Uh, Health, yeah, not warning, but the opposite of a warning. Yeah, do you want to c- correct that now? Or? I, I did it on a. I, I wrote into my own my own podcast. I wrote in on Instagram, didn't I? Oh, uh, right, okay, yeah. So, so to see yeah. a disclaimer about Chris's dodgy health um, claims, just follow us on Instagram at filmcatchup dot com. So 1998, labour have been in a year, the ringing and the changes, they're undoing, they're undoing the, the Tories' bad work of the previous era. Okay. There's optimism in the air. Partisan. Um, France dividing, well, dividing our listeners there. I don't think we have, well, we, I mean, we might, we might have. You never know. You never know. You never know. Steam the steampunks. Could be. Would you get Tory steampunks? What? What? Which way do they vote? I think probably you get Michael Gove, who's probably a bit steampunk, isn't he? Maybe yeah. Quasi Quateng. Definitely. <laughs> John Prescott. Was he was he Labour? Mm. Do, do, do you think he's steampunk? Could 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 be. Could be I just yeah. think he's punk. I think he's punk. Yeah, yeah, fair Cause, enough. Because because punks used to get spat on. They the audience would spit on them. But John Prescott got eggs. He got eggs mm. thrown on him. Yeah. 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 I I don't think ever, anyone that's spat on can be called a punk, or anyone indeed that's egged. Prince Charles was egged last year. King Charles. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's not. It's not mutually ex- exclusive. Yeah. It's right. conjecture. It's conjecture. Yeah. We're going down a 
we're going down a tangent now. We need to keep this tight, this podcast. Keep it tight. Be. Keep it tight. Um, so I haven't really talked about... I'm in secondary school now. I'm in year nine, would you believe? What year? Year uh, 1998. Okay, yeah. Shoot. What? When did you go to secondary school? Um, year seven. Well, you didn't say that last week. No, no. I talked about America last week, and God knows what I talked about the week before. Yeah. So, what's the name of the secondary school? Hornsey Secondary School. It's in Hornsey. 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 Yeah, yeah. So, Hornsey's a seaside town uh, in East Riding of Yorkshire, Holderness. Send in um, a shout out. Send in a shout out to Jimmy Cundall. There's a chip shop uh, on the estate in Hornsey that's recently been um, credited as the best in the country. Wow. Did you eat there? No, it was too far from school, really. But we used to go to um, Butterworth's uh, to get a fish and chips and sometimes on a Friday. Yeah. What um, would you have? Because at some point in school, I can't remember if it was year nine or year ten, we were allowed to go downtown. Did you have that in your secondary school? In Yeah, we could. When um, Well, my secondary school became college. I didn't go to college just stayed at that school Excuse. until Excuse. I was 18. Second, sixth form? Yes. So when we were in sixth form, we could leave the school. Not before then? Um, I think maybe in year five we could go to Londis. Year five? Yeah, that's... Uh, what do you mean? Primary school? It was different, the school I went to. So, like, we had, like, the secondary was one, two, three, four, five, and the sixth form was college. All uh, right, that's that's complicated. Yeah. That's complicated. So, that, so yeah. when I'm saying year seven, year nine, that doesn't mean anything to you? It's class class warfare in action. Right. Was this a paying school that you were, you were at? It, yes, yeah. It's where, right, where okay. me and Mike had assisted places. Right, so I... Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it was our third or fourth year of secondary school. We were allowed out of the gates into the into the town of Hornsey. The first day that I did that, um, my shoulder got hit by a car wing mirror, a van, a van wing, wing mirror. That was moving. Yeah. Because um, they didn't like you being out. It was a warning. I think I just wasn't used to the hustle and bustle. I was a sort of village boy, wasn't I? Mm, yeah, yeah. So was that quite a big? Was that a big m- moment? Well, I remember. It, I remember thinking, "Just my luck." Yeah, just my luck. Do you think you were born under a bad sign? Maybe. Yeah, I was. I was on the way to Heron to get a twist and squeeze. A twist and squeeze. And I think Twist and Squeeze... They, uh, twist and Squeeze, the ones that they looked a bit kind of, you know, like... The, you know, you had you had, an, you had like a Mr. Freeze, but the Twist and Squeeze was in it like an actual plastic thing, and he twists the top off. Yeah, that's right, yeah. He sort of snap off the top, twist yeah. it and snap it off, yeah. Yeah. Beautiful, beautiful. Yeah. Beautiful thing. I think, I, th- I think they were... Beautiful... Thinking. 
Beautiful design. It's like something <laughs> Apple could have designed. Tim Tim Cook. Uh, I think they were 15, 15p. Probably. I've always liked a lunchtime bargain. A what? A lunchtime bargain. Yeah. Is it a bargain if it's the same price? every? Yeah, it can be a bargain, yeah. Um, mm. But yeah, sometimes I'd push the boat out and get... Um, Battered sausage and chips. Mmm. Good, good choice. Or coronation chicken baguette when a, a cafe called Ten opened. But um, Ten, Ten. It's just called Ten, yeah. And Tom Dawson wouldn't go to Ten because he said it was for people that wanted to be in the sitcom Friends. Got a point. Why? Why, why was he saying that? He sort of thought it was like a trendy, a trendy thing, and for him. Friends epitomised trendiness. I like the sound of this guy. What's his name? Yeah, I think he'd really get on with Tom Dawson. Um, he's he used to he's play a man. The... Sorry, go on. He's a man after my own heart. Yeah, yeah. He used to play the soundtrack to Team America Well Police quite loud in his car. Yeah, yeah. I didn't watch it loads, but I could, I could, I could forgive Tom that mm-hmm. no, yeah you'd, you'd like him he once um, wet himself in a tent at a Leeds festival and slept slept in the oh. tent the whole night through oh I don't know how I feel about that no I think I don't know if, I don't know if I will be mates with him well it's not like that anymore he's, he's got his act together now alright cool I feel sorry for him at the end of the day. I'm, you know, nothing that drastic ever happened to me, so I can't. Yeah, I, I can't. I can't imagine what that's like to have to live with live with that sort of stigma. His mum once found all his adult film collection, and um, put them on the shelf in alphabetical order, and. Um, <laughs> Why? Just said to Tom, "I've tidied your room, and I think some of those, uh, some of those, div- some of those films aren't suitable." Uh, I, but did you really put them in alphabetical order? They may be way in alphabetical order. They were, they were very yeah. neat. So, so she, so she was on to him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean to have films. Hi, Kev. You're on the podcast. Am I really? Yeah. Yeah. I bloody love Phillips, me. Can you hear him, Chris? Yeah. What do you have to say about <laughs> Black Cat, White Cat by Emir Kusturik? Kusht- oh, yeah, I love that. It's great. It's great. Best, second best action film I've ever seen since Die Hard. <laughs> Kev's doing a um, Masters in film. I know. What, um, Kev, what do you think of Before Sun? Uh, Chris is just asking you a question. He won't be able to hear me. Okay, Chris says, what do you think of Before Sunrise? I think it's an amazing film, and I think he's got it completely wrong. I don't think he's understood it as a piece of art. That's that's the most serious I've ever heard Kev speak. (laughs) That's the most serious Chris has ever heard you speak. (laughs) Because if there's one thing I'm serious about, it's... uh, 
before sunrise, after sunrise, whatever sunrise, sunset film it is. I'm serious about them three films. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks for co- thanks for phoning in, Kev. Cheers, Kev. Did you plan that? No, no, no. Do, do you just keep your phone on during the pod? <laughs> I thought I'd, I thought I'd put it on Do Not Disturb. Um, so where were we? Uh, I think I I was just telling you a little bit about life at Hornsey Secondary School. Um, no, but we were on something. Uh, Twisting. Oh, so his his mum put his adult. He had he had adult, adult films. He didn't he didn't have magazines. Films, yeah. Where did he get them from? Um, I, I, I don't know. You'd have to you'd have to ask him. Internet, nineteen ninety eight. No, it, it wouldn't be the internet. Is he had an older brother? So I, I assume that um, I assume that his older brother probably has something to do with it. DVDs, you think? Yeah, I think so. Oh, wow. 98, 98 would be DVD time, would it? Yeah, probably, yeah. yeah. Just back yeah. to this, this film, um, it was actually released the same year as Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. Oh, that's interesting, yeah. Mm. Did you like that film in 1998? Um, ish. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't, can't say I hated it. Um, um, I, I didn't go around quoting it like that. Seemed to become it, it was a cultural phenomenon, would you say? Yeah, it yeah. was very much hand in hand with like TFI Friday and that, that sort of scene, wasn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but I, yeah, I thought it was, I thought it was quite good. I guess. And and were you were you buying men's magazines? Um, guys, I I had a couple men's magazines, life yeah. men's lifestyle magazines. Um, I had I had men's lifestyle magazines as well. I'll admit it. Mm. Called uh, an, a magazine called FHM. Mm-hmm. It'd be found upon in this climate. Yeah, but I'm nothing if not honest on this podcast. Fair enough. Fair enough. Yeah. What else were you doing? In what? In what? <laughs> in, what? in what? In what sense? Just in general. Just in channel, general. Channel Five, I guess. <laughs> you know, slim pickings. No, it? I was. I was just opening up to your life in in nineteen ninety eight. Okay, uh, nineteen ninety eight. I entered the the world of work. Right. Okay. I, I, I didn't leave school. Right. Yeah. 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 So summer yeah. summer job, evening job, weekend job. Um. So I remember my first two jobs, but I don't remember which one came first. Um. My brother used to work at Little Chef on the A thirty four southbound in Sutton Scotney which is near Winchester mm-hmm. and then he worked there for a bit and then I think he got he got me in the door uh, he'd left but um, I, I I went and got a job there About I used to get up about quarter to five on a Saturday morning wow um, so like you know 
been out with mates the night before and having to get up at quarter to five and get on this minibus. It would, and then, and then not only that, but I was like the third person on the minibus, and then it'd have to drive around and pick up another four people or something. Um, so was the mini, the minibus organised by a little chef? Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, I mean, organised is a loose word. It was pretty ramshackle affair, um, and it would go around and pick pick these guys up, and there was a really odd guy and uh i don't want to go into things that were that he used to say because they were just full-blown racist um but yeah no i don't want to go into it he he, he had a, he had a pet cat that didn't have a very nice name um so i don't really want to talk about it um and anyway i worked as a little chef and my first day on the job, I I worked as a cashier slash waiter. Mm-hmm. And the first day on the job, I, I, are you familiar with Little Chef? Um, n- not not massively. No. Have you ever had an Olympic breakfast? No, don't think not to okay. my knowledge. Do you know what newspaper they used to give away for free? Little Chef. Yep. Um. A tabloid? Yeah. News of the world? Nope. The sun? You got one more guess. Daily Mail. You're close. I think it was a Daily Express. Mm-hmm. Um but every Saturday they would um give away seven scratch cards in the middle. It was like a Daily Express scratch card. Mm-hmm. And it was it was a strip of seven of them, and every day in the paper, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, they'd release a code, and you'd check to see if you'd won. So I I took the seven scratch cards out of each free Daily Express paper for the customers, and I had about twenty, twenty strips, so twenty times seven, hundred and forty scratch mm-hmm. cards in my in my apron. But they were useless and, uh, without the paper. Well, if like my mum and stepdad had actually got the Daily Express, so right, okay, you know, um, I could check. But and then the and that was my first day on the job. And then at the end of the day, the till was down. Uh, I'd been on the till all day, and I'd made a few mistakes. It was my first day, so the till was down a bit, and the a very aggressive woman who was the manager called me into the the tiny office and made me empty my pockets to see if I'd taken any money Mm -hmm. and she found all the scratch cards but then she kind of respected me because she just realised I was one of them Um, I think I have heard this story before but I'm not sure if it was on this podcast or not I think I put it on Facebook some point or I don't know maybe I have said it but kind of like that honour among thieves sort of thing it was a ramshackle sort of um, team of misfits and outcasts uh, and she just I guess she just liked the sheer balls to the wall spunk of of you know stealing all these scratch cards and you formed a 
relationship with her? No, she was an incredibly scary, aggressive woman who, like, like I would get, like, customers coming up to me going, I cannot believe, like, she she she's she's like a horrific human being i can't are you okay sort of thing she wow. she would just scream in this restaurant in front of everyone on the griddle and she called me peter because there was no chris no steve steve um there was no chris name badge and they couldn't be bothered ordering one so i was steve for like the three months i was there and um i spilled beans on a pregnant woman I was a rubbish waiter, and um, but I got an Olympic breakfast every Saturday. And is that a full? Is that like a king size fry up there? Yeah, like massive, and and I get a big slice of chocolate fudge cake as well. Did you put on weights? No, I was high metabolism in teenage years. Yeah, yeah. Well, pretty much. Yeah. How so? How um, long were you there for? Sorry, six months about three months I'd say mm-hmm. but and it was um, on the, or, it was in a service service station yeah Sutton Scotney and the 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 KP the kitchen porter would still be on drugs from the night before and stuff like this what um, how did you find the sort of ambiance of the service station I always I always I'm always intrigued by people that work in these places that the ordinary Joe only has fleeting experiences of. So, like, if you if you go to an airport as a customer, it's got a very specific ambiance, hasn't it? Because you're going on holiday, you're coming back from holiday, yeah. travelling, it's exciting. But if you're turning up there every day, does that excitement? Is that does that do you get that excitement by osmosis? Does that completely dissipate? What's telling I... experience? I don't get excited by service stations or airports and being there was much, much worse. Being there all the time. But you get a, you get a specific feeling by being at a service station because you're having a comfort break. Yes. Well, this service station was basically a little chef in the middle of nowhere. Mm. And the, your only way out was a minibus. And there was no, um, there was no W. H. Smiths or. Um, there, there might have been, there might have been a shop. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm, okay. But um, what was the yeah, nearest was called... city? Southampton, uh, Bournemouth, Winchester. Win- oh, sorry, Winchester. Yeah, never been. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's all right, and and that, and then the second job was wearing a sandwich board. Oh, which really? I kept that job for about two or three years, probably two you, years. Where were you? Where were you wearing this sandwich board? Uh, in Southampton, uh, they used to have a CD and record fair the last Saturday of every month at the at the Guildhall, and there was a tall ginger man called Sid, and he was like a sort of Fagan. Kind of like a simple Fagan character, and um, you and Cameron got me that job, and me and you and Cameron would wear a sandwich board each at different ends of Southampton High Street, and then there was also a young punk. It was a bit like Repo Man. There was a young punk called Judd, 
Right. And Judd was Judd was a uh, a sandwich boarder as well. So there was us three and some others, and we'd stand in Southampton City Centre giving out leaflets, um, with with markings on them, and then Sid would give us like ten p extra for each person who came in with the leaflet. Um, at the end of the day, that's good and system. We, yeah, I think we were paid like three quid an hour or something, um, and and. Uh, and it was great. Some of the best times of my life, actually. That, yeah, that's good. How, and how? So, so, how often were you doing it? How? How many? Was it every weekend over that two no, years? It was one, one day every month in Southampton, and then sometimes we go to Portsmouth and do it there as well. Right. Okay. Um, someone threw a burger at me, a full pelt, full pelt. Um, why? Just for fun. How big was it? How much of the burger they? Probably it was probably half a half of a cheeseburger from McDonald's or double cheeseburger, full pelt. Um, a steel drum player, a Caribbean steel drum player, player called called Steve, bought me a hat, a woolly hat with Tasmanian Devil on the front. It's the it's the worst of humanity. It's the best of humanity. Yeah, exactly. Because it was it was like a freezing cold day in January, so that was a nice thing. And then, what a nice man! And then, mm. and then in Portsmouth, a pigeon did its business on me. But you know, I met. That's where I. That's where my relationship with the British public start first started percolating that's right. when your lifelong love of street performance uh, yeah occurred. just like lifelong love of people that's where it was you know that's where it was that's where it was coming from even though they were throwing bags at you or well the pe- people weren't peering on you either yeah I mean you know I, I'm, I'm not from the mean streets I'm not I'm not being to the university of life you know, I've, I've been to university, but but I've I've never been afraid to get my hands dirty and do those sorts of jobs where you just meet all these characters. That's good. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. I was. I did a paper round, um, five pound a week. Yeah. Wow. Um, and I think that's where my fear of dogs came from. Yeah. Well, you don't like small dogs. Oh no, you're fine. I'm absolutely fine with small dogs. Some people don't like them. Um, yeah. And I've never had a bad experience with a dog. I just there was some aggressive dogs on my route. Yeah. Um, so I was just very wary, wary of that. Uh, I had a paper round. Rob Tibbetts had a paper round. Did James Cundall have a paper round? I think he was the groundsman at the tennis courts, but he didn't get a paper round. Even even back then, he was he was he mm, was doing that sort of stuff. No, no, I think that was later on. Actually, that was around the time when I was the uh, pot wash at the Black Swan. Right. Okay. What about Norm? Did he have a paper round? Um, I don't th- recall Norm having a paper round. He worked behind the bar at the Black. He was a waiter at the Black Swan, and he latterly worked behind it's the bar probably... at the Black Swan. Microdosing. Maybe, yeah. 
Maybe. And he probably probably had other jobs that I can't I can't remember, but Yeah. Uh I'm not sure. Yeah. But, you know, you you you, you spend um what is it, a third of your life working or two thirds of your life? Probably two is two, two, isn't it, yeah. Two, so, two you know, you meet all sorts of characters, don't you? Yeah. The two people who ran the paper shop who gave out the paper rounds were um Sue Monroe and her husband um Mick Monroe and Norm Norm christened Mick Monroe, Palm Tickler Nick. Uh, palm Tickler Mick because every time he gave you his change he'd uh, give you a little tickle on the palm. Ooh. What oh that's reminding me of something, but but why what was it on purpose? No one no one knew. Well me me and me and you and Cameron and someone else joined the Socialist Workers' Party around this age, around 16, and went on um, a march, and um, someone shook my hand and tickled my palm as they shook uh, my hand. Yeah, yeah. That's the yeah. thing, isn't it? Put like with that with that finger. With the, yeah, with it was finger. very, very slickly done, and t- totally, you couldn't miss it. it very, it was very strange thing that happened and what, what, does, what does it mean that, what does it mean I don't know do write in do write in guys if anyone knows what that means because I'm sure it, um, there must be meaning behind it mustn't there I, I thought at the time he was um, coming on to me mm. yeah and I was a bit um, I thought it was a bit creepy and someone else said oh no that's a mason thing yeah i don't think it's com- i don't think that's that that would be a strange way to come on to someone wouldn't it yes i um, think it's more about showing off dexterity yeah but but i don't think a mason would be in the socialist workers party no pull kind the opposite, opposite. yeah opposites yeah so uh, do write in do write in yeah Okay, good. Shall I, um, shall we choose a film from 1999 to watch next week? Yes, please. Um, okay, so I've got a short list of three, and I'm pretty certain that you'll have seen at least two of these. I'm hoping you haven't seen three of them, but I've got okay. I've got a longer list if, if that is the case. Um, okay. So I've never seen a film um, by Studio Ghibli. G- Ghibli. Ghibli, Gib, Ghibli, 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 and Shib- the film Shibli. Princess Mononoke, Mononoke, came Mon- out Mononoke. Mononoke came out in 1990, what, what, what year are we on? Nin- 99, forget that, forget that, forget that, okay, forget that. Um, I've never you've, seen. You've chosen the wrong year. Yeah, I've chosen. T- I've chosen two films the wrong year. Okay. Pe- Pedro Almodovar won the Palme d'Or with All About My Mother in 1999. I've so never that's... seen. I've never seen Pedro Almodovar, and, <laughs> and I'd quite like to. Um. Another film is 
by Claire Denise, and it's called Beau Travel. Are you familiar with this one? Heard of it. Don't think I've seen it. Foreign Legion officer Galoup recalls his once glorious life leading troops in the Gulf of Djibouti. His existence there was happy, strict and regimented, but the arrival of a promising young recruit, Sentant, plants the seeds of jealousy in Galoup's mind. Um, and then, back to your friend of mine, Scotland, for Ratcatcher by Lynn Ramsey. James is a 12-year-old. The world he knew is changing. Haunted by a secret, he has become a stranger to his own family. He is drawn to the canal where he creates a world of his own. He finds an awkward tenderness with a Margaret Anne, a vulnerable 14-year-old, expressing a need for love in all the wrong ways. Gritty, that last one. Gritty, 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 gritty. But um, I think a single mother in Madrid sees her only son die on his birthday as he runs to seek an actress's autograph. Beside herself with grief, she returns to Barcelona to tell the boy's father about the death of the son he never knew he had. 101 minutes, 4.1 stars on letterbox. It's on BFI player. Apple TV. I've heard enough. I've heard enough. Are you happy with that as a choice? Which one? All about my mother. Absolutely. 110%, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. And um, how do you want to end this week's podcast? I can't think of any sort of phrase we've said. How about this one? Show me a bigger gaggle of geese. I like that because it's a rhetorical statement, but it's also an instruction. It could be an yes. instruction. Yeah. That's good, isn't it? Show show me a gaggle of geese. Show me a bigger gaggle of geese. Well, just it could be an order. Show me a, gag- a gaggle of geese. It still could oh. be an order. Show me a bigger gaggle of geese. Yeah, great. Show me a bigger gaggle, gaggle of geese. Yeah, yeah, I like that. Show me a bigger gaggle of geese. It's a bit like a um, short twister. story, short story prompt. It's kind of like a title of a Raymond Carver short story. Mm. Show me a bigger gaggle, gaggle of geese about a struggling ranch owner. And the ranch is not doing well. And he's keeping it going. Alcoholic. Yeah. That's good. Will you please show me a bigger gaggle of geese, please? By Raymond Carver. Would you have please in the title twice? Yeah. Because his other short story collection is called Will You Please Be Quiet, Please? Please, yeah. That's good. You borrowed that off, Jim, off James Davidson? Yeah, JD. Shout out to Jim Davidson. I've got your copy of... Raymond Carver. Show me a bigger gaggle of geese, please. Please show me a bigger gaggle of geese, please. Yeah. But it's also like a tongue twister, isn't it? Show me a bigger gaggle of geese. There's a lot of cheese in there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like cheese. And 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 that's where this film comes in, because there's a lot of G's in this film. Gangsters. Gangsters. Warren G. So it works on that level. Definitely. Show me a bigger gaggle of geese. 